Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. This headline got me. The FBI was tipped off by an informer close to Trump who guided agents to where documents were kept. If he ends up getting in trouble for taking presidential artifacts and gifts and knickknack and paraphernalia from his four years in office and nothing else sticks, that's going to be, I'm not going to say ironic. But he was in a tizzy and he actually made it a five-year jail sentence when he's like, oh, oh, Hillary Clinton. She took uh, emails to an email server and, you know, you're not allowed to do that. And if it, that ends up what gets him, that he wrote a law to punish himself, that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> and I would be like, huh, I didn't see that ending coming. I do like irony. Um, but let's go forward. Let's talk stocks and stock markets. Yesterday was a day where inflation died. Could that be possible? Could we get a t-shirt that said, 2022, year of sucky inflation, and all I got was this t-shirt? Or even the first six months of 2022? It's not going to be that easy. It got out of hand, and it is still going to linger. And 8% inflation is still bad. 6% inflation is still bad. 4% inflation is still too hot. <clears throat> so we've got a ways to go. I don't like the way Biden used the term uh, zero inflation last month. That's incorrectly the way of looking at things. The S&P 500 opened higher. The Dow opened higher. The NASDAQ opened higher after shooting up yesterday. Now, again, this is a market with how big is the endurance? Just last week, we started saying things like, huh, I wonder if this market's got, you know, fatigue. I wonder if it, it's got the bear <clears throat> uh, market balance is starting to linger. It's so funny. This this year is the first year that I've seen people starting to be afraid to use the phrase dead cat bounce. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Yeah. Can we find something other than anything other than to say that? Yeah. People were that sensitive. It's something that is something iconic to you as a child. I know you're saying, did you throw cats off 10th stories and watch them bounce? No. But that's a tough habit to break, is it not? So what I'm seeing today in the world of stocks is anything speculative is doing well. The one stock that I'm noticing that's not, uh, Microsoft, is down one half a dollar. But in the last couple of weeks... It also was stronger when the markets were retesting. So you can't look at things on a one-day basis and declare a victory. I wish, but we can't. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Elon Musk's lawyers say Twitter is being is hiding the identities of key staff who calculate bot numbers, the main sticking point in the $44 billion deal. 
he sold a big chunk of Tesla and people are like, what's going to happen? Court case coming up in about four to six weeks. And the trial judge is said to be a five day or less kind of judge. So a lot of maneuvering right now. As an investor, how comfortable are you putting your money with the Twitter civil war? I, I like fundamentals of companies. I like looking at the last two, three years of earnings, two, three years of revenue, two, three years of margins of how much debt the company has managed. I can't speculate on how many thoughts there are. If I think Elon is right because I'm a fanboy, that just tells you I'm uneducated. Not everything that comes out of his mouth is always going to be right. Anyhow, are you going to bet on that one? Because you can. Tables open. Google has quietly extended their hiring freezes. Employees see a real vibe change. Employees fear harsher disciplinary action and roles not getting back to what uh, until roles get back to where they were. Google is pretty open. They talk quite out loud about their employees as management. One thing they've said is we got to get back to work because we got to get that productivity. Otherwise, we'll do what we kind of need to do. Google announced a two-week hiring freeze in July. The hiring freeze has been extended. Employees worry that workers could be put on performance improvement plans. I will say there's an interesting conversation that you and I should have one day over a liquid beverage. Is companies and productivity... Productivity became real big in last week's uh, employment numbers. And companies, do they have the right to call you back into work? Because I'll be honest with you, it's my kids started back to school. I started next week. I'm, I totally expect another COVID rage. Right now, all these little sixth graders and seventh graders and eighth graders and ninth graders around the U.S. are vacationing, get it, soaking in the last couple of days of the sun. And they're all without a mask. And they're all hanging out in large groups. It's not all like that, but you get the idea. I did just talk to a family who road tripped from the East Coast to the West Coast. And they're a California family. And they were shocked by how much land is Trump country. And they were shocked by the lack of any masks in certain areas and the still heavily masked areas that they ran through. We tend to live in a little bit of a bubble, do we not? So Google and their hiring freeze, how much do we feel bad for the employees that they're going to be asked to work 40 hours and, oh, we can see when you're not on your Zoom. I have to keep my Zoom on all day long in case someone from my company calls me. It's not inconvenient. It's just not a normal productive way of running my computer in my head. So if you're working at Google right now, you have no idea if you're going to be able to hire someone tomorrow or a couple weeks down the road. That's kind of an interesting problem to have, is it not? Snap's head of engineering was asked about job cuts during a recent staff meeting. His answer has employees fearing the worst. Snap is about to see a big job layoff. So the big question I have for you is if we were to get a liquid beverage, and we'd, I'd have to think out the question a little bit more is... Um, do you feel okay when a big company says we're not getting enough out of the workers, so we're going to fire some of the unproductive ones? Is that fair? Because the artificial intelligence into what's going into tracking us at this point in time is pretty crazy. And it was getting out of hand with Facebook. 
to the point that elections were being bought and sold, people think, with artificial intelligence making a lot of the decisions on how people react to certain visuals. Snap employees are expecting layoffs. How much does the company have the right to ask you to, like, give me a good 40 hours? I saw some hard knocks on HBO, and it's hilarious. Football coaches, make, they crack me up. They scream at their players like, well, we got to do everything we can to win. You're feeling good today, but for the next nine months, you're going to be hurt. And you're going to need to get up and, and push, 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 push. If we had NFL coaches running tech companies, it would be hilarious. Because they are expecting productivity out of their players. And at Google, we've come a little bit softer. Like, okay, okay, I'll only take one break an hour and I'll have two breaks for dinner uh, or lunch. And I, I get sushi still, right? I'm allowed to use DoorDash and get sushi and you're going to pay for it. There is an argument to be had that the pendulum has shifted, swung to you, the employee, and away from the employer. But there's also some indications it's starting to swing back to the employer. And that's why I bring up Snap having a big headcount reduction coming soon. And Google having problems with employees. And it's interesting because the management brings it straight to the public. It makes it sound like the employees are whining. Not a good thing to do for morale in the long term, but I certainly understand the strategy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So the big story this week is that it looks like inflation peaked. Now, one month does not make a trend. But we saw some nice things yesterday on the stock market going, okay, we love you. Because we know in six months from now, there will be a trend. Wall Street is a discounting mechanism. The key variable for where inflation goes from here is what people should be asking themselves. Where do we go from here now that all of the children have grown up? But keep in mind, the inflation number was still pretty crazy at 8.5%. Just to give you a small bit of perspective, back in 1980, you weren't watching Stranger Things. You were living it. Winona Ryder was on TV back then because she was a pretty young thing that made videos and hung out with rock stars and was in the movies. Now she's in a, the show as a mom, a soccer mom. That's how we remember. There's some irony there. Sex symbol in the 80s and uh, playing a soccer mom in the 40 years later. Inflation rate deteriorated, decelerated, not deteriorated, decelerated to 8.5%. The words are very, very interesting of what I should have tried to do. The August core number is going to be important. It will be the same or worse for used cars. We're still looking at some areas where like um, there will be some relief, obviously, from inflation. We're still looking at some hot spots that can crop up. I kind of jokingly brought up orange juice today, but there is a point for it. A lot of people start their day. A much larger expenditure is new cars versus used cars. So when you look at the data, you really have to parse it. A lot has been broken with how our company, our economy operates and executes. And some of the supply chain issues are slowly fixing and the double orders are hurting with extra inventory that needs to see lower prices. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. I think it is very problematic to be a short-term success all the time 
in investing. There's little curveballs that will make you your head go, wait, now, do I still believe this? For me, I have a longer-term belief in capitalism and basically a gridlock political system that doesn't mind spending debt. Am I worried that one day someone is going to have to pay this debt back? Am I worried that one day my kids will have to be like, oh, we live in a, a, a dystopian future? And they'll come visit me today from their future. And my kids will be older than I am. And they'll be like, you ruined everything. I get how it's easy to play both sides of the fence in your head. And I, again, I believe in capitalism for the long term. That's where I'm at. Until proven otherwise, until looking at the last hundred years on the stock market. And weren't we just last year at an all-time high? Yes. Wasn't that seven long months ago? Yes. I don't feel like that's a guarantee, but the markets were at an all-time high. So if you invested 100 years ago, you got to go through World War I, World War II, Vietnam. You got to see nuclear strikes. You got to see not the invention of electricity, not the invention of mass production, but yeah, some of that happened. You've seen amazing advances in healthcare. I get why you can look at the stock market at times and go, I wonder what I should do. I see that NVIDIA's headline is telling us that the PC boom is officially over. Yes. So should I not be investing in semiconductors? <clears throat> That's where like, you see both sides, right? And I'll give you another example. And this is one of the reasons you have to try to stay off financial media. In your head, and I know this is financial media, I'm just showing you the, 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 the best case I can in how capitalism works every day. Buy on the dip, go long-term, buy high quality. Be interested for the sake of being interested in understanding what inflation is, but don't become an inflation wonk. I know someone in the, 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 that I, I, basically, I used to be his financial manager, and he got so into Bitcoin that he quit his job. And he regrets it now. His Facebook posts for the last three years are all about, you know, Dogecoin to the moon and Bitcoin to the moon. And if you don't get into Bitcoin, you're going to be sorry. But he is the one who feels grief because he quit a good job at LinkedIn. To basically become a influencer, if for lack of a better word, or cheerleader. But I can see how the headlines messes people up. Like Ethereum hits a two-month high after the final merge rehearsal. I don't know what's going to happen there. The native token of Ethereum blockchain rose to $1,919, the highest since June 1st. Extending Monday's rally, we're, we're looking at... Bitcoin has it been problematic. Cryptos have been problematic in how much energy they take to transact. And yeah, well, it's... That's a crazy thing to think. And we're trying to come up with more energy efficient ways of doing transactions in crypto. Not we, but the developers. And Ethereum has this amazing blockchain platform that a lot of people are developing for. A lot of lawyers, a lot of businesses. A lot of people are figuring out digital law. I've got a lawyer friend who's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll study Bitcoin and I'll take it in cases if need be. There's a lot of money going around there. But Ethereum's current proof of work chain, 
with proof of stake beacon chain. It should cause a notable reduction in Ether supply, bringing a Bitcoin-like store of value appeal to Ether. This is very tough for people to figure out. And I can see how one day you're like, oh, that's positive. And one day you go, oh, that's negative. The point of this segment is I would believe in something more than less. I would believe in something like as big of a capturing net like capitalism. What are we seeing right now? We're seeing Google. We've talked about this this morning. Their management saying we need our employees to be more productive or and that is they're not willing to say it out loud. We're going to fire you. The biggest cost of doing business to a corporation is labor. I can see how people get in their head on capitalism and they forget that's the underlying thing that happens in the United States. That's the grease of our economy is that if you're not working well, you get fired. And when that company has so much demand, they hire people. And if the people can't meet that demand, they, they pay more or they hire even more people. Economically speaking, it, let me give you another dilemma. And this is where you have to get over these dilemmas instead of like working your, your mind out of investing, working your mind out of taking care of your own retirement. The inflation numbers, the job numbers were so good on Friday that some people think that's how you kill inflation. Now, wait, wait. Some people also think if everyone has jobs, they're going to go out and buy things and that kills inflation or that spikes inflation. So there's two camps of people can look at the jobs numbers and say exactly 180 degrees different. One is that all those workers are helping fix the supply chain. They're clocking in hours. Their bosses are saying, come on in. We got work for you. And another camp saying, well, if they get paychecks, they're going to buy stuff, go on vacations, travel, jack up the cost of travel. Oh, I hate you. It's the, the statement in the, I guess, 80 years ago of someone on Wall Street said, I'd like to be a one-handed economist because on the one hand, that job report was inflationary. On the other hand, that job report was telling you that we're fixing our supply chain issues that cause inflation. And I can, I can honestly do a whole show on either one right now and have you walking away going, that was great. I get it. And the next day I flip 180 degrees on you and you're like, wait, wait, oh, that's great. I get it. You got to be, if you're a, a person who catches yourself believing both sides of the story or getting excited or depressed, this is not for you. Let's see. Stocks are continuing the rally. Disney's up eight after a strong quarter and raising prices. Good for them. They needed to get back on track. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. Today, not the biggest, but the headlines this morning from yesterday were encouraging inflation data sparks stunning stock market rally. It's like extra, extra, read all about it. Peak inflation is hit. It has that vibe to it, and that bothers me. We'll talk about it, and I promise not to use an old-timey voice anytime soon. XG, XG. Um, so today still has very much so Joe Biden came to see inflation and kick his butt, and it's moved on, inflation's out. No, 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 that doesn't sound like the right story. Inflation's still here, but in some respects, it left the building yesterday. 
kind of like Elvis. Wall Street celebrated, and this is a nutty thing to say, an 8.5% consumer inflation rate. Typically, you'd go, that's incredibly bad news, not incredibly good news. The core inflation rate of 5.9% did not improve versus June, but importantly, it did not get any worse. I'm not going to use the words, we're out of the woods. I'm going to say, let's see another month. Am I happy I'm still invested? Yes. It feels like maybe June 16th was a bottom. But I'm going to say those odds are improving with a, a nice read on headline inflation, but not guaranteed. Disney shares are a big winner, winner, chicken dinner today. The big entertainment giants surprised with better than expected earnings and Disney Plus subscriber numbers. They have more subscribers internationally than Netflix. Well, not internationally, total subscribers. Sorry, why I'm saying that. Disney also introduced a plan to raise prices for its streaming services as well as add an ad-supported version. Disney's in the ad business. And the more information they can watch on you, they can send ads towards you. If you are on Disney and one, for instance, I stream baseball games. And baseball kind of is my kind of, it's the sport you can watch that you don't really have to watch. So it's kind of like white noise. But when you look up and you see the commercials, they're like, they're, they're streaming a lot of pizza commercials. They haven't figured it out. Disney will figure out a lot of information. And your email address that you use, let's say it's rob at robblack.com. And you go to Disneyland and the hotel says, what's your email address? And Disney says, uh, oh, you want to use Hulu? What's your email address? They start pulling a lot of info. They can get, build a very big profile on you. What sports do you watch? When do you watch them? On a year-over-year basis, the index for final demand was up 9.8%. That is certainly unacceptably high. So inflation, we can't say that was a a death, but it could be peak. Okay. Let's work with that for a second. If it is peak, what are we going to be acceptable on? Where oil prices go and gasoline prices, where they stabilize? Are we ever going to be comfortable with uh, red meat? a filet going for $32 a pound? Or do we want, think it's going to go back to $25 a pound? A lot of questions there, right? So even if it is peak, where does it start to settle down to? Initial jobless claims for the week ending August 6th stayed on a softer path. They told 262,000. Thursdays are the day that we get the first time unemployment claims in the last week. It's how many people were told you're unemployed and marched down to the unemployment office, which most of you can of that can be done online now. So it's kind of just a visual for you. Any number under 350,000 is typically pretty good for the population of the United States. So a number at 248,000 means we're adding jobs. The economy is growing. So a lot of good news out there. Big day yesterday on the market. Big day today on the market. A lot of talk if you turn on CNBC that, you know, the bottom was put in June 16th. I did a segment earlier in the show where Funstrat, Tom Lee, who he is so incredibly bullish. 
he's one of those people that it would be really frustrating to have a conversation with because he, he sounds like this market's going higher. And you're like, okay, you worried a little bit about Putin. Throwing a new market's going higher. Yeah, you, you any bit worried about terrorism hitting on a big global stage again? Market's going higher. And you get it like he's a parrot. He says the same thing every single time. Market's going higher. He comes out today and says, okay, the depth of the bull or the, the expanse of the bull market of the last one. Keep in mind, we had a in March 2020, the stock market dropped 20% in like two weeks due to the pandemic, due to everyone's going to die. So the market drops, that ends the last bull market, which lasted 10 years. Now, so it, this this it killed it right there, and then it bounced back over 20%. So then we're now in a new bull market. And we just got went through a bear market, which in his mind is easy. Like, well, look at the amount of data at the top and versus how many, what you spend 25%. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We're going with history lessons to invest now. He's, it doesn't hurt. He's building his case. Disney had a strong quarter and are raising prices. That's a lot of confidence. I'm taking a look at stocks like NVIDIA where I did a, I think a thoughtful segment in my head that didn't come out as radio gold, but when NVIDIA's numbers are saying the PC has peaked, what does that tell us about the stock? PCs are in the pandemic. I spent a lot of money on tech upgrades for my kids. Did you? And one of my kids is going to middle school and I'm like, am I going to get a Chromebook again? Is this, is this happening again? Anyhow, gas prices are falling the national average below $4 a gallon for the first time since March. I've seen it. Have you? Do you remember the stories we would do? Like gas at $5 a gallon, gas at $6 a gallon, gas at $7 a gallon. And even your kids are like talking and going like, wow, that's expensive. Look at how much gas is here. So when it comes to popular culture, and now are we talking about it on the way down? Or we're like, nope. Very quiet, very quiet uh, reduction in inflation costs there. Average price fell to three ninety nine yesterday. That marks a fall of more than a dollar a gallon since the peak in the United States at five dollars and three cents on June fourteenth. Now wait, wait, are we also saying the stock market may have hit a bottom on June sixteenth? Is there a correlation? I see a bit of a correlation there. When we were at peak, freaked out talking about gas. The market was at peak freak out talking about bottoming or going lower. Could that be the whoosh? Could that be the sign? That's one thing mo- many of us on Wall Street say we may not be done going down because we never really got the sign. And that would be a weird one. Gasoline prices at a high, stock prices at a low when they cross that path. Was that the bottom? Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Two weeks ago, I was looking at some stocks to buy more of, and Disney was on my screen, and I did it. And I'm like, oh, oh, went with something else, but that's okay. That's okay. You win some of those. So I'm like, I got plenty of Disney. I was just looking to add more. Actually, my kid is, uh, we had a little road trip this week, and uh, he's asking me all about investing. And uh, those are always kind of nice because I was like, at one point, we were talking about, 
maybe the Mandalorian or something like that. And he goes, do we own Disney? I'm like, yeah. And I told him I expect him to own it and I expect him to pass it on to his kids one day. So there's good news in the direct-to-consumer business. It's continuing to pile up nearly quadrupling year over year. But the bad news is the costs are also building. Now, Disney and Disney is ESPN. Here's one of the things about ESPN. Disney is Pixar. Disney is movies. Disney is theme parks. Disney is cruise lines. Disney is many things, right? They are princesses. But Disney's had an interesting run of it. The company announced it's raising the price of Disney Plus. They're also bumping up prices for Hulu and ESPN Plus packages. I think that's the best deal right now. If you're trying to find one package to be all packages, it might be the Hulu ESPN Plus package. Um, and you also get Disney. You get three basically networks. I, uh, but then again, I like YouTube. Too. We all like something different in streaming. But here's how this is fascinating because I've been doing this long enough. 25 years ago, I'd say, yeah, there's a, uh, there was a company called CNN, you know, uh, before it became politicized. 24 hours breaking news run by that cowboy, Ted Turner, who also owns the Atlanta Braves. And then CNN became CNN too. And then there was like CNN International. Then there's headline news. There's some of there's like four CNNs. I'm like, how many CNNs 24 hour news do we really need? And ESPN got into it. They said, oh, they can do it. We can do ESPN and ESPN too. We could do college ESPN. We could do uh, greatest of all time ESPN. There's too many. What stinks about this is it drove the price of cable higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And, uh, you know, the example that I would use all the time is my girlfriend didn't care at all about sports. Why is her cable bill a la carte, not a la carte versus she has to pay for $6 of her cable bills going to ESPN, going to Disney. And the following year, it'd be $7. And the next year after that, $7.50. It's almost as if the streaming companies like Disney Plus, they are so benefiting now because they've cut the middleman Comcast out. As we've cut the cord, as we've gone to streaming televisions, the cable company Comcast, the biggest player there is, has seen the, the demand for prices to go down so they're like okay we're going to drop espn too we're going to drop espn college you're just gonna get plain old espn is that good enough yeah sure but how much they got in cable subsidies is no longer a story now it's direct to consumer cut out the middleman but the consumer is going to want more content so disney's raising the price of disney plus by 38 percent to 11 dollars a month now, is that inflation of 38%? It is. It's a streaming cost, right? Entertainment. CEO Bob J. Pitt commented that Disney is seeing record upfront advertiser commitment leading to the launch of the ad-supported Disney Plus tier. So the upfronts are an interesting time for the media companies as you get to see how much revenue they've booked. And you start building that into your spreadsheets on companies. So... The anxieties are starting to be soothed. The ad-supported streaming space, especially with Netflix entering the fray early next year, that's going to get crowded. Disney says they plan to dial back spending on content, specifically company-wide cash content. Spend for 2022 is now expected to total about $30 billion. 
compared with last year's guidance, our last quarter's guidance for the whole year of about $32 billion. So Netflix is in the uh, quandary situation of they don't have live sports. They get to charge a little bit more of a premium access play. Netflix is in an unenviable position of, you know, 10 years ago, they were spending $10 billion on content. Then it was $12 billion, Then it was $14 billion, Then it was $16. They're spending more and more to try to stay relevant internationally. And Disney does it almost like easy. They make it look easy. So Disney doesn't give a lot of commentary about the guidance. I think it's worthy of just latching on real quick. Bob Chapik isn't um, even more mysterious than Bob Iger. Bob's. I hate it when things like that happen. And coincidentally, the last two CEOs named Bob. It gets in your head. You're like, did I just say that out loud? How do I not not say that out loud? Bumble is quickly gaining ground today on basically an earnings miss and a downbeat third quarter. Foreign exchange headwinds. Wait, wait. Foreign exchange is playing into the dating app world. Bumble's earnings report wasn't great, but it was awesome compared to match groups. Wall Street has a little bit of you need to learn how to compare stocks. When I say NVIDIA, what do you say? You should say AMD. You should not say Intel. Um, when I say Google, who's the social is social media the right place to be right now or search? With search, you probably think Apple. You think Amazon. You think... So anyway, there should be correlations in your head of companies that compete with each other. And what was bad for Facebook was going to be really, really bad for Snap. The Bumble app continues to fire on all cylinders. 32% growth year over year. They've done a really, really nice job of trying to turn dating apps um, to be less raunchy. Bumble does a nice job of protecting women from, oh... All I wanted to do was go out on a date with someone, and now I'm getting pictures of their genitals. Bumble does a nice job. If they can recognize it, can't can't Facebook recognize like a political ad? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Um, I just like the CEO of Bumble. I think she does a great job, and she's always entertaining to talk to. Uh, the New York Times did this amazing article on Tinder last week and how it's kind of ruined dating. That people have, they got over-sexualized by it. And the dating scene now is, it starts there. um, Versus getting to know someone. It's a really interesting article by someone who's been using Tinder for 20 years. And she's just so discouraged. And as a guy who doesn't use Tinder, I want to read it. Because like, it's, it's sexy. It's titillating. It's, 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 it's raunchy. It's, it's, it gives us a take on what's going on in the dating world today. (laughs) 